0: Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to Kit and Tell, a podcast about kids in the hall and a reminder that divorce is cruel. Unless you get to live with a glam movie star. <laughs> we'll be reviewing every episode with witty banter and unmissable segments like Don't Ever Date a Racist, Even If You're Desperate to Get Laid, and Divorce Court Meetings Should Always Have a Surprise Guest. I'm Kalina McCordoff in London, England, and I am joined by Han Seiderman in Prince Rupert, Canada. Hello! And Trevor Record in Vancouver.
1: Hi! Great, okay. Hi!
0: <laughs> So we'll be reviewing episode seven of season three, which aired in the year of our Lord, 1991. So let's kick Mm. off with our sketch rundown. We have got live with mom or dad. A kid has to decide whether to live with his responsible mother, drunken dad, Bruce, or a last minute surprise option, a glam movie star (laughs) Uh, pit of ultimate darkness on a date. Uh, So uh, Sir Simon Milligan goes on a date with a bigot and, um, (laughs) Gets uh, a, a bit handsy uh, in the meantime. Um, Bruce lookalike one, the guy who thinks he looks like Bruce uh, but doesn't actually, and this doesn't actually have a great joke. Um, <laughs> crazy guy in waiting room. Uh, Scott plays. Uh, a man who mocks people in a waiting room. We're going to have a discussion about whether this is a mental health overstep. Um, and why did they have to take the word gay? Um, a woman wonders why uh, words that she used in her childhood have been co-opted by the moderns. Bruce lookalike two Dad died. Um, we had Bruce's lookalike come back for a callback, which is not very funny. And we have uh, two of the kids uh, hash out Who is taking advantage of the other uh, on money to scam a guy for 25 cents? Who knows why? Uh, I've been kidnapped. We have Danny Husk uh, learning through the paper that he has been kidnapped, goes through a whole rigmarole to get the ransom cash, and uh, ends up getting freed in the end. Uh, Another really bizarre sketch that I would say (laughs) harkens back to something. I I,
1: I liked it. I don't know. (laughs)
0: Um okay, so let's dive in with segment one, Snowflake Millennial Corner. take one. <laughs> um, this is about a pit of ultimate darkness and two things specifically struck me about this sketch. The first joke uh, is whether you'd be willing to date a racist or join in on bigotry in order to get laid, which Sir Simon Milligan does um, to character Bruce, um, whose uh, ex is actually Cabbagehead, um, which I feel is still a relevant question now and depending on how it's played could still hold up for sure. But the second joke, and I put that in uh, quotation marks, <laughs> um, comes when he throws What's meant to be uh, magic zombie dust into her face to convince her to go to bed with him after she says no, Um, which to me felt like a bit of a no consent Mm -hmm, date mm -hmm. rape drug joke to me. Um, So let me put it out there, folks. What offended you more, if any, and um, how might you potentially have tweaked the sketch to make it work?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm really glad we're having our Millennial Snowflake corner because I had a very similar reaction. Uh, My notes say, is this a shitty date rape attempt? Maybe Simon Milligan really is evil. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, like it. it, But here's I mean, you you mentioned two. So the first joke, I think does kind of hold up better because, um, yeah, it is still relevant like today. And I think the I think the it's always all about who's like the target of the joke, right? So in, in that first one, the target of the joke is Simon. It's like, oh, here's this awful person and I will absolutely sleep with them because I'm just horny and I don't care. And that's like, and, and so it's like Simon is the, is the awful person. And you know, he's, he's has no principles and that's fine. Um, they're both get bad guys, but the second joke was just kind of, creepy and i i as i was getting ready for this i also went back and looked up like the the actual quotes for it which was which was you know kevin saying helen what do you think the odds are of you and i doing it and she says i don't think they're very good and then he's like then you'll be surprised to find out that you and i will be doing it and then he throws the powder into her face and it's like yeah that's just shitty and like it isn't even all that good of a joke like i for its time I think I don't know it just it, when, you, when you listen to the laughter of the audience it like feels strained so I, yeah I don't even think it was all that great back then
1: <laughs> even at the time, the studio audience was like, Ah, where is this going, Kevin? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah.
0: Because the thing is, like, it feels like it's a punchline for them to be like, Ha ha! Like it wasn't actually zombie magic dust at all. And it's like, Well, that doesn't make any better. Like the only thing that better. maybe <laughs> saves
2: it is that it doesn't work, and so it's like, <laughs> so if if the joke is like, haha ha! Your, your your zombie dust didn't work, then
0: you're free to fine, have free will. But like,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's pre- That's that's not a great joke, even if it does work.
0: Yeah. Trevor, did you have anything else to add?
1: Um, the date rape stuff did make me feel pretty pretty bad and I didn't like that at all. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, you're right. Um, when you just read over the script, it it just it looks bad. And the, the even if you were trying to argue that the real joke is that uh Hecubus used the wrong powder to frustrate his master, it's not like that funny of a joke either. So yeah, it sucks. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Something else I just remembered, though, is that that first joke does definitely have like some usage of slurs that uh, you definitely could not put on TV no. nowadays, and probably for good reason. Yeah. yeah. I forgot that he just like yeah, just straight up like, uses the uses the slur term. So like that part of it is maybe does not hold up. But the the concept of the joke itself is is not so bad.
0: Yeah. And that brings <laughs> us to Snowflake Millennial Corner Part Two: Crazy Guy in Reception. Um, I have to admit I've always laughed at uh, this sketch where we get to see some silly physical comedy from Scott uh, bordering a bit on sort of my, like pantomime. But, but it did just cross my mind to ask and that I don't feel as um, necessarily as conflicted about it as I do about the previous segment. Um, but it did cross my mind to ask, would this fly 30 years later or does it poke too much fun at mental health or mental capacity.
1: Uh, <laughs> boy, Stu goes missing for one day due to his, due to his IBS. And suddenly it's all snowflake corner all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I can just say, boy, Stu we, have, goes we missing. literally are
2: doing two, two millennial corners with no dirtbag stew Stu, yeah. like stand <laughs> up for people being trolled. I, yeah. I feel
1: like I'm having to slouch into the Stu position here. I, honestly, I don't think that I, I found this one too offensive myself. Um, I think, like, the comedy here isn't that, um, well, maybe it is, but haven't you ever been in a situation where you interact with someone in, like, a waiting room or on transit or something, and then you immediately kind of regret having interacted with them? Like, I feel like that's the joke here. The the joke Mm -hmm. is, like, oops, I shouldn't have interacted with this person.
2: I it, that part of it absolutely mm-hmm. is true like that that sketch construction element of it is like it is is a good one and you're uh-huh. you're totally right on that point but I, I I'm kind of with you Kalina like I've wonder I've been wondering about this Scott character a little bit myself lately and, and part of that I think is that I'm maybe a little bit more sensitive to it because I've got a sister who has a learning disability and so like I have spent a big chunk of my life like you know dealing with like kids making impressions and doing whatever stuff so I like I kind of I do feel like I kind of recognize that when it's not when it's punching down and not punching up and and I don't think it's so much making fun of like people with mental health challenges, so much as it's like people making fun of people that have mental capacity challenges, which isn't like a great look. And mm. and I think that earlier on, I didn't have any issue with the character because it felt like it was more of a slack jawed yokel, where right. the kind of the kind of behavior wasn't because he had a limited capacity. It was just because he was kind of ignorant and had like or or like had some issue with his upbringing or whatever, which is like. Those are character flaws that are still a little bit more, I think, you know, jokeable about, right? Yeah. But like over time it feels like he's just become more and more playing this character as someone who's not playing with a full deck, which makes it like a little bit less funny in my mind. Um but it is also like a really fine line to walk, and I'm and you know, I'm not sure how it could or should be done to get the most value out of it without punching down at all. But um but I definitely I think there's there's parts uh, there's sketches and this is maybe one where it doesn't it doesn't land quite as well as the character the like I said the sketch me mecha- or the, the sketch construction is fine it's just the, the character itself kind of gives me a little bit of the heebie-jeebies
0: I don't th- I don't think at the time it aired many people would have taken issue with it but you're right like it just it just now you're like oh am I allowed to laugh at that like is it, it you know how, how much does it border on you're right. Sort of punching down or making fun of, rather than it, because because the joke isn't necessarily the person who's interacting with them. It's it's how he's kind of pulling things out, which can be funny on its own. It, it just depends how the characters mm-hmm. played.
2: Yeah, I mean, and if you think about it too, like some of the earlier uses of this kind of character, right, is like the guy being like, uh, "Why don't you talk right?" And it's like it's like he's a bit of an asshole. Like and uh-huh. it's like it, it definitely feels like it's more about his his, yeah, his upbringing or, how, or his like, um, yeah, he's just kind of a rude, a rude kind of dumb guy. Right. Whereas this, this is definitely more like a, uh, like you are, have some issues maybe. And that's like kind of awkward and uncomfortable for me. And I, and I grant that it's not for everyone else, but maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just an overly sensitive snowflake millennial, but <laughs> I, I, I see it too, Kalina. You're not, you're not, you're not the only sensitive snowflake in this
0: <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh I don't know. I I still think like the humor isn't necessarily like rooted in the person having mental capacity issues here but more just like becoming accomplice to someone who is now behaving in a way that you like are somehow like oh no, why did I kind of interact with this person and I'm sort of weirdly in on it. That that's how I read it anyhow.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough.
2: Which is like which is a good bit. Yes, I get it. <laughs>
0: All right, moving on to segment three. We've got we've got no more snowflakes to to bring into this. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm they've ca- all melted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling yes. this uh, Danny Husk production value and why I regret everything. Um, <laughs>
2: okay. So a
0: moment from our podcast, um, which I can't remember whether it was season one or season two that continued to haunt season me. Season one. Was when I led a segment suggesting <laughs> that Scoura the gentle shark was proof that the kids were using the stage and and camera in a more dynamic way. Um, And this, that was honestly now that I am not so ignorant. It was just a step perhaps, and them using props, I guess, Um, and that they could use maybe a couple more angles, but it absolutely had nothing to do with TV, and now I know I was so wrong. So I thought I would use this as an opportunity to confess and um, look at what's being thrown at us in season three. I I know we talked about this a couple episodes back, but um, particularly, you know, with Danny Husk gets kidnapped, it felt like so much more of what's to come in their post-series film Brain Candy. And I think we all agreed that season two was great. But I'm just wondering, I mean, do some of you miss some of the more theater stagey sketches? Or do you prefer the ramped up use of TV magic that we've started to see in season three? Trevor, mm-hmm. start us off.
1: Uh, well, I actually prefer the TV magic stuff, I think, because it is a TV show. So um, <laughs> I think uh, two episodes ago, I kind of, like said, between the There was a court one uh, that I won't lie under oath that was, like, kind of more of a traditional sketch. And then there was another weird one called Mouse Obsession where Mark is, like, obsessed with killing a mouse, and that was much more, like, the made-for-TV type of sketch. And it's, like, between the two of them, uh, one of them seems more specifically Kids in the Hall. Like, there's lots of um, Mm -hmm. stand-up comedy groups, and, you know, like, their sketch comedy is quite good. I'm not going to say it's bad, but... They're also, like, they have a particular brand of uh, televised comedy that, like, I don't think anyone mm. else has really copied or done, so that's what makes them special to me is is that stuff, uh, whereas the sketch comedy is quite good, and some of it's pretty unique, but, like, uh, it's not as unique to me.
2: So that's, I mean, that's a fair point. I will say, though, as the lone defender of the greatness <laughs> of score of the Shark* from <laughs> season one... Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess I I have no choice but to bemoan the loss of some of those stagier sketches. Um, yeah, I. But I, I, I mean, I, so I will say, like I I didn't actually really care for Danny Husk all that much. I and, love and Danny certainly Husk. not as much as I did. <laughs> Well, but I mean, I didn't like it as much as some of those other TV-centered bits that you mentioned, um, Trevor. Like, Mouse Obsession from a couple episodes was much better. Yeah. And, like, My Pencil. You which, my Pen. Uh, my Pen. My Pen. Or my, my, <laughs> <laughs> my Pen. How did I forget that as My Pencil? It's funny, because as I was writing my notes, I was like, My Pencil. And I was like, that sounds wrong, but, like, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't put my How finger on why. How that
0: annoying, repetitive voice not stick in your head? My, yeah, my I, Pen. Yeah, I
2: don't know. <laughs> as pen. soon as you said it, I my skin crawled, so I, uh, yeah. But anyways, but if, if so, if the choice is between more of this in like sense of like Danny Husk and more stagey bits, then I'd definitely choose me some more screw-up, yeah. But I, I do, I do really like the these made for TV bits as a general rule, and I totally agree with you, Trevor, that I think it's one of the neat things about the kids mm-hmm. that they kind of made this transition, um, and I am looking forward to more of this kind of content as yeah. the show goes on. But. I also uh, hope that it doesn't mean that we've hit the end of those stagey bits, because I do miss some of those things. And as we're saying this bit, I'm like struggling to think through if I have any other stagey favorites that still haven't come up, which, if that's the case, actually kind of makes me a little bit sad. So pour one out for the old scura gang, the gentlest shark.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like sort of most um, sketch comedy troops uh, after this point were very much in a similar position like use a mix of sort of stagey type sketches and sort of TV production bits um like yeah,
1: we, it definitely became more common. Um, yeah, and
2: but also like what sketch shows came on after this one really? Um,
1: so the ones that I would see as being kind of like the direct descendants of this would be sort of um, the Ben Stiller show or like and, TV, uh, I guess. and Mr. Show, Mr. Yeah. Show especially.
2: Yeah. Okay. And
0: and I think I mean I'm I totally agree with you, Hans. Like I I feel like the, we've had so many of their classic sketches and ideas come through already that i am struggling to think about you know sort of what we haven't had um despite Mm. spoiler what we have um, next episode with um the terriers (laughs) but you know like i I, (laughs) i would i would i would be quite sad to see the the demise and and movement towards more of the tv production value like I, I get that they're trying, you know, they clearly are trying to to experiment a bit more with that. But I think you do lose some of like the very sort of basic comedic value of what sketch comedy is. But um, perhaps yeah. I'm just a bit biased because we we know and love that kind of stagey theater stuff so much with them.
2: Well, and that's what, when I was asking like what came after this. Like, I, I obviously there's been lots of sketch shows since since uh, Kids in the Hall came out, but like most of no, modern day sketch shows nowadays, like they don't do the live audience thing at all. Like I'm thinking like Baroness von Sketch or um, or other ones like that, or like and Saturday Night Live was always kind of constant throughout this. But yeah, I guess you're right. Mr. Show kind of did a mixture of stage and and recorded bits, and Mad TV, I guess, also. And I guess was, was, and SNL obviously
0: of, still does. Both. yeah
2: and sNl but uh, but um but yeah I like there's not nowadays certainly it's like the stagey bits are almost non-existent so i I do I do love and cherish them and I hope there's still some good some some other good ones to come
0: yeah I just feel like you can't ride as much on like sort of bad I mean you, I guess you can we, we know that there have been a lot of a lot of Real stinkers, stinkers. <laughs> about one and <laughs> two. But I feel like you yeah. can kind of almost forgive some bad comedy when you have high production value, which is the only thing I think is a risk. But,
2: yeah, true fact. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, well, before we go, let's choose our standout sketch and worst um, with a rating out of five. Um Trevor, do you want to start us off?
1: I, I mean, I'm going to have to go to bat for I've been kidnapped here, I think. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I would easily give it uh, um, four and a half... Briefcases filled Ooh. with two dollar bills out of five. <laughs> I thought it was like really good and hilarious. It's just like
2: the best part of that sketch was the two dollar bills. Just I for forgot about purposes. that. I know that
0: was real. <laughs> that was real, real uh, nostalgic. You're right. No, I,
1: I I think that everything about this I liked. It was just like, cause. It was sort of like the whole sketch kind of follows dream logic where it's just, you know, Mm. where sometimes you just have a dream and something that fundamentally doesn't make sense in real life (laughs) just makes sense in the dream. And just like being able to read in a newspaper that you've been kidnapped and accepting it as truth is like a a very good example of that Mm -hmm. was like. It introduces Mm. the dumb, weird thing that, like, is going to be the crux of the sketch. And the entire time, he's going about life as normal. And it's, you know, like, his secretary just won't give him a $2 (laughs) bill.
0: Because she really needs to get the latest Vanity Fair.
1: And it's like
2: the uh,
1: that whole weird logic kind of behind it where it's like, well, I guess you have your reasons to not give me my freedom. Okay, I, w- I will
0: say my favorite part of that sketch was uh, when he does the trust drop with the kidnappers. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, was, like, okay, that was the best moment. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs>
1: no,
2: I, I, I will say, tr- sorry, oh, go no, ahead, no, no,
1: no, I was going to say 100%. That's yet again, like another weird dream thing. Like this was a whole dream kind of, Sketch where it's just like when you're in that weird space where you're like, Oh, I can't trust this person. How could I trust them? Okay, just (laughs) a trust drop. Okay, you can be trusted. I
0: I was really creeped out by Bruce there. I don't know why. It was like the scraggly teeth and the white hair Mm -hmm. and him just seeming so, so. So just mean. I don't know. Seeing Bruce that mean made me really sad.
2: <laughs> he looked like a Ninja Turtles villain. He did! Uh,
0: That's totally it. Yes.
2: Tre- Trevor, I think you've totally put your finger on why it is I didn't care for this one as much. I mean, it wasn't bad or anything, but it it relies entirely on that kind of dreamlike premise uh, with dream logic and stuff like that. And I just didn't accept the premise. And so then everything that flows from that is kind of like, Ugh, this is just such a dumb premise. I don't like the premise. So then the fact that it kind of drags on kind of. Annoyed me a little oh, bit. Oh, you've got
1: to suspend your disbelief for this. Yes,
2: that's. A, I don't have. A, I don't have like the childlike dreamlike, <laughs> uh, you know, sensibility to appreciate it the way it deserves. I guess. But mm-hmm. I mean, there are some very good moments, like you say, the trust fall and the two dollar bills and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So. Trevor, what was your um, worst? Oh yeah.
1: Oh, I don't. I don't oh, know do
0: not, do not weasel your boy. way out of this time again. No. <laughs>
1: um a pit of ultimate darkness on a date just is not funny it's like kevin's trying to do a cabbage head and his cabbage head is somehow <laughs> way worse than cabbage head ever was
2: i did i did like that the this the in this Kevin. universe that she, her ex-boyfriend was cabbage oh head, yeah so that was,
0: yeah that's a very good point that's that
1: was point. Our, our first hint that she's horrible
0: oh yeah <laughs>
2: true yeah yeah that's a very good point so
0: hans what was your best sketch then
2: my best sketch for this week definitely goes to custody, which is a rare win, I think, for the cold open. But I, I thought it was a really, really good cold open. Um, I loved Bruce's deadbeat <laughs> dad. I loved Kevin's desperate mom. Like, every, every time <laughs> like, it, like, right. turns to Kevin, right. she's just like, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Uh, yeah, I'm the best, you know. it. Right? Um, and then I love that line of, do you want to live with your mommy or your daddy or this glamorous movie star, <laughs> like it's just such a delightful turn with Scott just making a glittering entrance uh, as like a glamorous movie star. So, it was very nice. I liked it. It made me chuckle. Uh, I had many I, sensible chuckles. Four out of five orphan children. I, I, I want
1: to ask about that sketch too. Was this like um, part of the era when a lot of celebrities were famously adopting children? Because uh, I, I know I certainly know. now we're aware of a lot of.
0: Angelina Jolie's and so forth
1: out there. But was that like a thing back in the early 90s too?
0: I mean, probably more, if anything, this was the era where we started getting like a lot of televised divorce narratives. Like you think Mm. about Liar Liar and stuff like that. It's just like the whole premise Mm. is like, divorce, children are affected. Or even the Santa Claus, that was a big one. (laughs) With Tim Allen, you guys remember that? I don't think...
2: That was that was much later though. That was like late mid mid to late uh, I feel like later.
0: the 90s was a boom for divorce. That's all I'm saying. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think the adoption thing was a thing. So I don't think that was the intention of the joke was to not to play on that. But it, maybe maybe they were prescient. Maybe they were presaging <laughs> that this was going to become a thing. That's where Al- Angelina but Jolie got
0: her idea. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I agree with you, Trevor, though. The worst, worst sketch this week goes to Pit of Ultimate Darkness, which, on top of just having kind of weird, gross themes, was also just not very funny yeah. or good. So I give it 2.75 disappointed dates out of 5.
0: Um. So I, for the reasons that we kind of discussed in uh, Snowflake Millennial Corner Part 2, <laughs> I you know, I, I have always quite laughed at crazy guy in waiting room. Um, but I had never actually seen why did they have to take the word gay and had we had mm. a bit more time in this episode, I would have loved to discuss it a bit more. But um,
1: oh, so there was a third millennial corner you wanted to have?
0: No, not not I. I did okay. not want to have any millennial no. corner. I just thought it was quite funny and subversive. Oh, yeah. okay, So you're so okay. While the yeah no,
2: that that was a great yeah, sketch. So yeah. So while the
0: child um, inside of me wants to go with uh, waiting room, um, the clever adult in me, if there is one, wants to go with Mark's sketch. <laughs> so I l- so I just I'll go love with the that. Part, <laughs> Where they just start introducing other like fisting. You st-
1: I, I gave up <laughs> kidding because fisting means something different now.
0: Yeah, like I the, also
2: loved the like what was wrong with pervert? <laughs>
0: <laughs> or kind and of linguists like, yeah, I was like, trying oh, to figure out like, what People resisted being
2: called to to perverts. Mean. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a novel idea. But
0: I so I will give that a three and a half out of five. Um while I really think there are Big problems with pit of ultimate darkness the worst in terms of humor i feel is is the bruce lookalike part one which was just super really it was just like the joke was at the start this guy looks nothing like you and then at the end he just says no because you're fat and bald and it's like that wasn't funny we you know
2: did. what though, I will I will stand up for this. So there's two things. One is I love Bruce saying, "Well, for one thing, I'm not a big fat bald guy." Oh yeah, yeah. And then the, and then the other guy says, "Well, not yet," um, which is dark. But I also love that they did not use like it was on a stage, but they didn't use a laugh track, which made it feel so much more awkward, which yeah. I very much appreciated.
0: Well, no, that's why I didn't like it. I I need I need, need right. someone to show me that it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I need other people. I need other people to laugh and tell me to laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
1: okay. The studio audio. Audience-
2: said it. it was <laughs> 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 alright
0: well that's it for our episode 7 review join us next week for episode 8 which will be hosted by Hans uh, in the meantime Ooh. you can find us on twitter at kith and tell pod weigh in on your favourite sketch and del- enjoy some delightful gifts thanks for listening to kith and tell Bye-bye.
2: bye bye Bye-bye. bye bye bye